tonight. Amen. It was difficult. We left uh, Lisa and the family out at the farm, and I think that's the first time we've ever had to do that before, you know, where she, she's like, it, does it feel strange that you're going to preach and I'm staying at home? I said, yeah, it feels really different. So maybe it means that I'm, I have a really good relationship with my in-laws because, you know, they leave my leave my wife and the grandchildren at home and just take the son-in-law. <laughs> Amen. Why don't we... Thank you, musicians. Why don't we just bow our heads together. Word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are just so happy to be sons and daughters of God. Lord, and we just cry out, Abba, Father. Lord, we just want to be like you, Lord, and we just want to be a reflection of you, Lord Jesus. Lord, because there's none like you, Lord, we look at you and we say, there's no one like our God. There's no one like our Father. Lord Jesus, we just love you with all of our heart and all of our soul, all of our might, oh God. And Lord, so many times we get tripped up and we make mistakes and we fall short, and Lord, we just have to cry out and say, Lord, forgive us, bring us back in line. But Lord, we are mindful, Lord, that you bring that correction down. You bring those things to our, to our uh, attention because we are your sons. And Lord, it causes us to rejoice knowing that you care about us that much, that you want us to be right. You want us to do right and, and to, to live properly and to lay our sins down that you can move freely through our lives, Lord. And Father, we just invite you to come tonight, Lord, and we pray that you would have the preeminence, Lord. Take every word that is spoken, Lord, and Father, may you use it, Lord. Father, if there's something that I shouldn't say, just close my lips, and Lord, let me be silent, but let me speak where you want me to speak and not be hesitant, Lord Jesus, but may you have your way. And Lord, bless the reading of the word and bless the hearing of it, because Lord, we came here to hear your word 
word tonight. And Lord, your spirit is speaking to the church. Father, you, we can see you moving in our midst. We can see you bringing us to maturity, Lord God. And Father, we are just just want to be right in tune, just step by step. Like Enoch, he was walking with you, Lord. And we want to be walking with you every step of the way, Lord Jesus. Father, come tonight, we pray. We give you the preeminence in this service. Bless each one, Lord, we pray. Bless those that are streaming tonight, Lord, who weren't able to come, who wanted to be here. Lord, they are many in number, but Lord, may your Holy Spirit just fill their homes and Lord, come and speak to them as you are speaking to us, Lord, we pray. Lord, we just invite you in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Let's take our Bibles together to the book of 2 Peter, chapter 1. <clears throat> I was, just want to say I've been so blessed by the services here. We've been down here for a couple weeks now and and uh, been just streaming the services and getting into whatever ones that we can and, and uh, I've been so blessed and uh, thank you for all the, the ministry and it's been, been helping me and encouraging me. Thank you Brother Ed and Brother Andrew and Brother, uh, Brother, Brother Maxwell. And brother, brother Moses, I didn't get to listen to his service, but the boys were streaming the young people's service the other night. So we just appreciate you all. Amen. Let's let's read this uh, first, Second Peter chapter one and verse three and four. According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Amen. May God add his blessing to the word. You could have your seats. This is a powerful scripture. I think this is one of my favorite scriptures right now. I just love to read it. And... Uh, you know, it seems every time I preach a service and I, and I read this scripture, I think, you know, I think I preached on this scripture recently, but you know what, we're going to preach on it again. You know, it's just so real, and, and this, is, this is us. You know, we, the word is, is, it's so incredible. Sometimes it's hard to even know what to say or, or where to start, but uh, we, we, are, we are blessed. And here... Now the, the scripture is beginning to, Peter's beginning to lay out here, according as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. What is it given to us? It has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him, and I want to just look at the, the, the way that the scripture is laid out and what this is speaking to us. Because so many times we can just read the word and, and we can say, well, you know, we've heard that before. We've read that before. We, we know what it says and we could quote it. We could recite it by memory. We maybe have it memorized even as a child and we can read these things. But, but we, uh, if we can really understand the depths of the word of God, that's what the, the apostles were, were desiring that, that the saints of God would, would receive the depths of Jesus Christ, not just skimming over the surface and, and just being a, a, a surface believer, but they wanted them to know Christ like they knew Christ. They wanted the believers to, to really enter into Jesus Christ, not just hear the stories and be able to say, well, did you hear this story Brother Peter told? Did you hear this story Brother John told did you hear about Nathaniel did you hear about Philip did you hear about these different but no to know Jesus Christ just like they knew him that was their desire and that was the desire of the prophet in our day was not that we would just be able to tell the stories and be able to know what happened in our day but but that we would know Jesus Christ because that's why he came in our days that we might know Christ in a deeper way that we might enter into him that 
that we might enter into the fullness of what God was planning to do, of what God had in mind from before the foundation of the world. When, when everything comes to its culmination, to its climax, that's the greatest time. It's not just a time when it dribbles off and you, know, and, and you, and you just remember what happened, like a hockey game, you know, where it comes in and, and the third period is over and it's going into overtime. And, and you know, everybody's not just thinking, oh, you remember what happened in the first period? Do you remember when, when the game got tied? Do you remember when, when this one made this play? Do you remember this assist over here? Do you remember, did you see what, did you see that check? Did you see this fight? Did you see that happen? But no, when overtime comes and it's coming right down to the line where, where the next move could win the game, everybody's focus is on what's happening right now. Nobody's distracted. Everybody's on the edge of their seats. And that's the time we're living in right now. We're living in overtime where the next move could be the final move. The next move could take us to glory. The next step could be crossing over the veil of time. And that was what the message brought us was, was the life of Jesus Christ on display, was the life that we were meant to live step by step, walking with Jesus Christ, just like Enoch walked with Jesus Christ. Time after time, Brother Branham would preach about Mo or Noah, and then, but then he would always say, but remember, Enoch is our type. And there's so little written about Enoch. And you might feel like, well, there's, there's not much to know about me. There's not much of a future. You know, we're just here and there won't even be a history written. But Enoch only had one verse written about him, a couple verses in the Old Testament, maybe a couple verses in the New Testament. But yet he was a type of the bride. And the only thing that was important, the only thing that was written about him, he walked with God. He walked with God and he was not. And that's the only thing that's important about your life and my life. When people look at us, that's what we want people to see. He walked with God. He walked with God. She walked with God. If they don't remember anything else, who cares? Because that's what I want to be known by, that I walked with God. And one day I was not. But here, Peter begins to speak about this divine nature. And, and he says, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. So what's this telling us? If we look at this backwards, this is telling us that divine nature, the divine nature comes by being a recipient of divine promises. So there's a process that's happening. The divine nature is not just something that magically appears. But it's something that you, that you obtained. Something that you were a partaker of. And the way that you partook of it was through the divine promises of God. Through these exceeding great and precious promises that came from God. Divine promises. Now, divine promises, if we take another step back, divine promises through which the divine nature comes. These exceeding great and precious promises through which the divine nature comes. They are known through the knowledge of him. So there has to be a knowledge of him before we can be a partaker of these these divine or these great and precious promises before we can begin to express a divine nature so and this now this this divine this divine uh, nature which comes to recipients of these promises which the promises come through a knowledge of him and now we're in verse 3 where it says, According as his divine power has given unto all things, given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. All right, so this divine power equals all things, access to all things. This divine power, what is that? The Holy Ghost. This divine power equals access to all things pertaining to life and godliness. So if we take this now step by step, backwards, forwards, look at it however we want to look at it, this divine power of God that is in the heart of the believer 
is the same thing as having access to all things pertaining to life and godliness. It's inside of you. Brother Andrew spoke this morning on it's got to come from the inside. The devil can, can try to cloud and block, block what's coming from the outside, but there's got to be something on the inside speaking out that can't be blocked, that can't be stopped. What is it? It's a divine power that's on the inside, that's coming from the inside out. Now in this divine power that he's given us, it, all things pertaining to life and godliness are contained within that. So we, we shouldn't walk through life and say, Lord, I need this. Lord, I need that. No, what we need is within us. And what, what, we, what we need to do then is just feed that which is already there. Bring that to life. Bring that to maturity, to fruition, so that what is inside of you can be manifested. Like I always tell, tell my boys, you know, there's, there's only one thing that you can do to, to not Turn out like your dad. There's only one thing you can do to not look like your dad. There's only one thing that you can do to not become a reflection of, of your dad, and that's to stop eating. As long as you eat and live, you're going to become like me because you're my son. And that's the only way that when you have been born again by the word of God, the only way that you can not become like God is if you stop eating and die. So that which is in you, it gives you access to all things pertaining to life and godliness. Notice he doesn't just say all things. He doesn't say sports cars and big houses and, and big vacations and, and big bank accounts and, 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 no, and, and, and every uh, solution to every problem in life. But no, he says all things pertaining to life and godliness. All things that you need to overcome. All things that you need for eternal life. All things that you need to overcome this age are within you as a son and daughter of God. So as it says, according as his divine power has given unto us all things pertaining unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him. So this divine power has given us all things. How did it come by? Through the knowledge of him. So this divine power, which gives us all access to all things, comes by a knowledge of him. So the knowledge of him, or to know him, to, to really know him equals divine power. All these things come through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. So you can't have one without the other. You can't, you can't know, you can't say that you know him, but have no power. Because if you know him, then you've received him. Because to know him is to receive him. Because the Bible says in John 1 and verse 12 says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. All right, so, so who did he give power to? How, or how did this power come? Through the knowledge of him. So who does he give this power to? To all that would receive him. As many as received him, to them gave he this power, this divine power through which all things pertaining to life and godliness come. So receiving him is to gain knowledge of him. Knowledge of him, now knowledge of him because this is all wrapped around knowing him. Knowing him. Because this, this divine power comes through knowing him. And by knowing him, now when it, after it says, through the knowledge of him, then it says, whereby are given unto us exceeding precious promises that we might be partakers of the divine nature. 
So all of this is wrapped around knowing him, which is receiving him. So this knowledge of him then, this knowledge of him is not an education, but it is a relationship. It goes beyond education and, and into relationship. As a matter of fact, education has nothing to do with it. You can't educate yourself into heaven. You have to be born into the kingdom of heaven. By one spirit, we're all born. Amen. So this knowledge of him is a relationship. In Ephesians 3 and verse 16 says that he would grant you. This is Paul speaking now about knowing, about knowing him, the knowledge that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. What's this might? Divine power. What's his spirit? That Holy Spirit within you. Strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith that ye being rooted and grounded in love. What does rooted and grounded speak of? It speaks of knowing. It speaks of relationship. It speaks of being so tangled up with something that you're a part of it, that you are anchored there, that nothing is going to move you from that place because you are rooted into it. like one of our poplar trees that we have around here. It roots itself into the ground. And you can take that tree, you can look at that tree, and that tree might be dying. Or that tree might be in the wrong place, that you just don't like that tree. And you can take that tree and cut it down. And what happens? All of a sudden, you have poplar trees growing all over your lawn. Why does that happen? Because that tree is rooted and grounded in that soil. It has permeated itself through that soil. So when the life is cut off from one location, it just sprouts up into another location. And the devil might try to corner you in one place, cut you off in one place, but because you are rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ, you will just keep shooting up in a different place. That Christ may dwell in your, in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend. This is an understanding. Comprehend. Comprehension. To really know. To understand something. You know, when you're talking with your children about math problems, do you understand it now? Yeah, yeah, I understand. And they make the same mistake again, and they're, they're not getting it. But I thought you said you understood. But when they really understand or when they really comprehend the, 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 the puzzle behind it, the method behind it, and, or, or the, 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 the rules behind it, then they can solve the math problems because they've comprehended it. And Paul's saying that you, he wants that the believers would be rooted and grounded in love and that they may be able to comprehend or to understand with all saints. This is not just for ministers. This is not just for for the people back in the apostles' day, but with all saints. This is for every one of us. With all saints, what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge. Oh, how can you know something that passes knowledge? Because it's known by experience, not by education. To know the love of Christ. That was Paul's desire. Oh, that you might know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. That you might be filled with all the fullness of God. So now Peter is talking about a divine power that comes through the knowledge of him. That's called us the glory and virtue. And, and through the knowledge of him now, we, are, we have been made partakers of these great and precious promises whereby we may be partakers of this divine nature. And now Paul is speaking of the same thing, that we may know the love of Christ, that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. That's the divine nature. 
Till everything you do is a reflection of Jesus Christ. Till everything you do is that inside man speaking from the inside, working on the outside. Oh, it's a relationship. Paul says it's love, oh, that you might comprehend the love of God. He doesn't say that you might, that you might have your Bible memorized. Oh, I'd love that. Oh, that you might be the greatest theologian that this age has ever seen. No, he didn't say that. But that you might comprehend the love of God, which passes knowledge. Something, something that theologians don't know. Something that scribes don't know. Something that lawyers don't know. Something, something that the scholars of the day don't know. Something that the family Pharisees and the Sadducees don't know about. This is the love of God that passes knowledge. This is the love of God that can only be experienced. That can only be lived. Oh, he wants you to become a part of it. That Christ may dwell in your hearts, being rooted and grounded in love. Be so intertwined with Christ, with the love of God, till, it's, till your whole life is wrapped up in it. Till no matter what Satan does to you, it can't separate you from the love of God. It's a relationship. No one knows the love of a husband except for his wife. No one truly knows the love of a wife except for his, her husband. that's the kind of relationship that Christ is looking for. He's not looking for a bunch of servants. He's not hoping to have a kingdom full of of loyal servants that will serve him and, and worship him forever. But no, he's looking for a family. He wants sons and daughters that serve him because they love him. That worship him because they've seen his majesty and his greatness. And they've seen his power in their lives. And and seen his overcoming power in the the trials that they've faced. And the struggles that they've gone through. He wants a family. Ephesians 5 and verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. This is the kind of love that Paul said, I want you to comprehend this love. I want you to comprehend the depths of this love, the heights of it, the breadth of it. I want you to be able to really know how much you mean to Christ. In verse 30, he says, For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. My. This is a uniting time. This is a time when, when, when that goes beyond knowledge, that goes beyond the understanding of, of, if we could say, outsiders. And I don't mean outsiders as in people outside the message, but I mean from outsiders as in people that are not in Jesus Christ. If, if you're not in Jesus Christ, you don't understand. You don't know the love of God. You don't know the, the depths of the love of God. And if you aren't in Christ tonight, let me encourage you tonight. There is so much in Jesus Christ that un, until you are born again, you will never know about. You won't be able to understand. But if you can just start. Take one step at a time, knowing that he died for your sins and received the sacrifice that he made for your life. You can take that step one step at a time until you reach that new birth, until Christ is alive in your heart, and then you'll begin to understand. And when you receive that new birth, you say, ah, that's what they're talking about. Like that little room that Brother Branham saw in the vision the sister would go in and she'd come out. What happened in there? I don't know. I just know that I'm different now. We had a little game a week ago. Uh, maybe it was something to do with Valentine's Day or something. But uh, we had all the couples in the family try to get together and, on, uh, on a Zoom meeting. And, and uh, one certain single eligible sister of mine put together a, a little questionnaire of questions to ask to the couples and see if they would know. So she asked the wives the questions before and then during the meeting then she'd asked 
asked the husbands the questions. So they had to try to come up with the same answer. So whoever got the same answer as the wife the most times would win the game. So, so she put together all of these questions, and, and there were questions like, what is your husband's most annoying habit? Or what was your first official date? What date did you get engaged? What were your wedding colors? What is your husband's favorite meal? What is your husband's favorite personality trait about you? What phrase does your husband say the most? What's one item that your husband loves that you want to throw out? So, you know, these were questions that when you think about it, well, after you've been married for a while, you know, you would get a high score. You would know just you've lived with your wife for so long that surely you would know uh, the answer to these questions. No problem. It's got to be easier the longer you've been married. But the fact of the matter is, the newest married can answer the most questions about their spouse. That, 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 that might be asked by somebody. That's the way it was a week ago. You know, the the newest married amongst us, actually my, my brother that has a girlfriend and he's not even married, he got the most questions right. And, and uh, I won't tell you who got the least amount right. But my dad, Brother Tim, was telling us that they did a similar kind of a game with the couples down in Cloverdale. And it was just after him and Sister Sarah had gotten married. And, and he and Sister Sarah won the competition. And there was, there was some couples that had been married 30, 40, 50 years. And they got more right than the other ones got right. So, you know, especially questions like, what's one item that your husband loves that you want to throw out? You know, you'd think surely after living together for so long, that that would be an easy question. But, you know, it can go either one of two ways. Other, you've spent the last many years living for each other and, and you can't really think of anything that you're at odds with the other one with. Or maybe you've spent the last few years living for yourself and now you've got a list of maybe hundreds of things and you're trying to think of which one your wife wants to throw out the most. So the longer you've been married, actually the more difficult the question becomes. So the newest married can answer the most questions about their spouse that an outsider might think are deep questions. And that really is the key. And you know, the interesting thing was that the wives had just as much difficulty coming up with answers as the husbands did. But the fact is, that, that these questions were put together by somebody that wasn't a part of the relationship. So they were just looking through their minds saying, what would be good questions to ask? What would be good questions to ask spouses that would maybe be funny or would maybe be interesting or would maybe be embarrassing? What would be good questions to ask? So as an outsider, she began to put together these questions, but, but not being a part of the relationship, not knowing the depths of the love, and, 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 and not, not knowing that the longer you're married, the deeper your relationship becomes, and the more unfathomable from the outside it becomes. So if we took this, and I'm just looking at it from a, a spiritual perspective, as, as Paul said, I speak concerning Christ in the church. Because there's many outsiders that want to look at your life and say, well, how are you a good Christian? 
You can't answer this question. You can't answer that question. You, I see you made this mistake. I see you do this that I don't think Christians should do. And, and what about this? And, and what about that? And, and, and all these, these different questions that they might have about your life. Why? Because they're looking from the outside and they don't understand the depths of the love of God. They don't understand, uh, they can't fathom that relationship of Jesus Christ and what it means to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ. You might not know the answers, but you know the author. You might know, not know the, the book. Let me put it this way. People might think you're not a good Christian if you can't answer their Bible trivia. But you know the author. And your relationship has passed the realm of knowledge. Your relationship has become so intimate till you are flesh of his flesh and bone of his bones. So you might not be able to answer every question somebody asks you, but you know that you're in love with him. You know that you are walking with him. You know that you have entered into Jesus Christ. And, and, and there's, there's something about it that can't be understood and can't, can't be seen from the outside. Like, like the woman, again, going through the little room. What happened in there? I don't know what happened in there, but I just know that I'm different now. You might not know how your life turned around. You might not know how you're going to make it in a rapture. You might not know how things are going to turn out. You might not know why God wants you to do what you're doing today. But you know that it's his will, so you know it's going to work out in the end. The Bible calls it the unsearchable riches of Christ. You can't search something that's unsearchable. Have you ever picked up a rock and tried to flip through the pages? There's nothing to search. It's a solid unit. There's nothing to look through there. But that rock came from somewhere. It was molded by something. It was shaped. It went through a process to become what it was. But it's unsearchable. Ephesians 3 and verse 8, unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And the carnal mind might look at that and say, Paul, how are you going to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ? The unsearchable riches are unsearchable. How can you preach them, Paul? Paul says, it's been given, grace has been given to me that I might preach among the Gentiles these unsearchable riches. How are they going to be preached? They're going to be preached by experience. They're going to be preached by the power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. Now in verse 4 of Second Peter chapter 1, it says, Whereby? are given unto us these exceeding great and precious promises. So just to read verse 3 one more time. According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So this word, whereby, means the channel through which something comes. So whereby, the channel through which these promises come. They come through the knowledge of Christ. Through the knowledge of Christ have come these exceeding great and precious promises. By entering into relationship with him, by the new birth now, by this channel of God's love personally to you, has come these exceeding great and precious promises. The knowledge of Christ, through the knowledge of Christ, by his divine power, 
Oh my, access to all things pertaining to life. Through this channel now has come exceeding great and precious promises that we might be partakers of the divine nature. So then there was a purpose. There was a purpose for this divine power. There was a purpose through knowing him. He wanted to know you for a reason. More than just so that you could say he's on your friend list. More than just so you could, so you could follow him. But, because, but there was a purpose in knowing him. There was a purpose that this channel might be open. There was a purpose that he wanted you to, to be born again and receive his spirit. There was a purpose to it. And that purpose now was the divine nature, was that you might be a partaker of the divine nature. There was a purpose of these exceeding great and precious promises. They weren't just to make you feel good and make you feel warm and fuzzy inside, although the love of God makes us feel good, makes us feel excited, makes us, it provides for us. When we're in times of need. But there was, there was a purpose in that we might be partakers of the divine nature. What have we gained access to by this power within us? Not some frivolous display of power. Not just so we can strut around, strut around saying that we are filled with divine power. Look at us, how great we are. But no, there was a purpose. And the purpose, the purpose of this was that we might be partakers of the divine nature. What did the knowledge of him lead us to? The partaking of this divine nature. In the stature of a perfect man, Brother Branham says, Peter is saying here how that we must be partakers of his divine nature. Now each one of us are trying to grow into the stature of God. That's what you're called to. That's what God has, has placed within you. This divine nature is his nature. He's made you partakers of his nature. His desire is that you would be like him. That you would just keep feeding on his word and feeding on his word and walking with him so that one day you would be just like him. Second Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. What is this? The purpose of God. God's purpose that was started way back in the Garden of Eden. When, when Adam fell and Eve fell and the Lord came down and spoke to them and said, Eve, by your seed, by the seed of the woman, there will come deliverance. There will be, oh, the serpent shall bruise his heel, but he will bruise the serpent's head. And, oh, everyone was looking, looking down, waiting for this seed of the woman to come. God's purpose was to bring us back to the original, was to bring us all the way back, not just to, to Calvary, but all the way back to all that Adam lost. Full redemption, full restoration. All of it redeemed back, redeemed back to the original that he, Brother Branham says, that he might walk out into a garden of Eden with his bride once again. That was God's purpose to have a family that would know him, that would know the depths of him, but not just know him, but, but have the same nature as him, have the same blood as him, have the same, the same outlook as him, the same goals as him. Bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. All things become new. The old God wanted to do away completely with the sinful man. So he's not stopping at your soul. That's just the earnest of your inheritance. That's just the beginning. That's just the start as we heard this morning. But he's, he, he wants it all. He's redeemed it all. He's bringing you all the way back. All things are become new. This love relationship brings you past knowledge and into a nature. Into who you are. 
You're a new creature. You're not the old man anymore, but you are a new creature in Jesus Christ. The old man has died. God's purpose was that the old sinful man would die and that you would walk forth in newness of life. Not just having a redeemed soul, but one day crossing over the curtain of time into a new body. A sinless body. A body that you could sit and have fellowship with Jesus Christ. Ephesians 5, verse 31, 32. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Paul says it was a great mystery. But what day are we living in now? We're living in a day when all the mysteries shall be finished. So this mystery of Christ in the church is finished. It's not a mystery to the bride anymore. It's not a mystery. She recognizes that she's walking with her Lord, that she has been united with her Lord, that it's, it's no longer two walking, but it's one walking. She has become one with him. This mystery has been revealed. This mystery has been, has been uh, unveiled in our day. And we, we see Christ come in his fullness. Why did he come? To reveal himself to his bride. And the world might look from the outside and they can be so religious and they can be so spiritual and they can be so sincere. But as Brother Brown said, sincerely wrong. Because there was a purpose to it. And that purpose was not to make religious people. Was not to make big churches was not to build schools, was not to educate the world about Jesus Christ, but the purpose was to be united with a bride. The purpose was to call out a people that would be like him, a people that would receive his nature, that would enter into the depths of the love of God. Says in the message, what hearest thou, Elijah? He says, but today we thought because we could make a lot of noise or make a big denomination or do something big and noisy, get out here on the street and beat a a band or a drum and a lot of people will follow it because it's making noise. I believe Paul referred to it one time and said, as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. If we have all these things and don't have the love of God mixed with it, it's nothing to it. Let's not leave this convention just with an ordinary Pentecostal meeting. Let's leave this convention, if it be the will of God, with so much love and divine power of the Holy Ghost in our life until it changes every motive that we've got and molds and shapes our lives into the form of Jesus Christ. Let me read that last sentence again. Until it changes every motive that we've got and molds and shapes our lives into the form of Jesus Christ. Amen. Saints, the bride is in her own revival. The bride's revival should never end. And you know, when, he's, when he says, let's not leave this convention, there he is preaching at a convention. But I can't help but think that we are in our own convention. And it's happening from service to service all over the world. And, and, and we, when you look at it, whether it be here or, or whether it be uh, in Grand Prairie or whether it be in Vancouver or whether it be on a different continent altogether, the Holy Spirit is having a convention with his bride. And she is walking forward word by word, step by step. Just for example, I didn't know what Brother Andrew was preaching on this morning. We hadn't talked about it at all. We had coffee earlier in the week with one of my brothers that isn't serving the Lord. So you don't even really able to get on very much spiritual conversation. So we hadn't really talked, but here this morning he was preaching about 
the inside man. And, and my title was already for tonight, Living by the Inside Man. It's the Holy Ghost leading the church. He's leading the church in Grand Prairie just the same as he's leading the church in Edmonton. We might not be together in the flesh, but we are together in Jesus Christ. We are taking one step at a time together. You don't have to worry. You don't have to stream our services or we don't have to stream your services. Oh, I wonder if we're keeping up. Oh, I wonder what the Spirit's speaking in, in Edmonton. I wonder what the brothers are preaching. We don't have to stream different services all over North America or the world. Let's see what they're preaching so that we can preach the same thing to our people. No, whenever I go, I know sometimes my dad will tell me, why don't you go watch this service that I preached on such and such a thing? And I watch it, and I'm thinking, you know, you certainly put it together a whole lot better than what I did. But this is just exactly what I was preaching on the other day. Or this is exactly what Brother Darren was preaching on the other day. And when you go and you, and you look at those things, it's the same thing. That Brother Ed's preaching. It's the same thing that Brother Andrew's preaching. It's not by accident that these things happen. But the bride is in an international convention. Service after service, God is perfecting his bride. God is, is bringing his nature to maturity in her. She's flesh of his flesh. She's bone of his bone. Life of his life. Oh, and he says, he says, let's leave this convention, if it be the will of God, with so much love and divine power of the Holy Ghost in our life until it changes every motive that we've got. Changes what's our motive, the reason that we're doing something. Why do we do what we do? Why do we react the way that we react? Let our motives be filtered through the Spirit of Christ. I heard a testimony the other day that just so touched me. A brother was telling me about a situation at work that he, that he had. And, and, uh, and there was a man that he was working with, an unbeliever. And the man was, was, was just, just a cruel man to work with. Because he was, he was uh, for lack of a better word, he was backstabbing the other employees that he didn't like. So he'd go to the boss and he would say, you only need this guy and this guy and this guy and me and we could run this place. You, could, you might as well just get rid of the rest of them. And when this brother found out what was happening, he went and he talked to this fellow. He said, why, why do you do this? Why are you doing this? Why are you going behind our backs and running us down to the boss? The man said, well, you got to do what you got to do. What is it? That was our scripture. You have escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And this man was living by the corruption that was in the world. He didn't know any other way because he wasn't in Jesus Christ. So he couldn't escape the corruption that was in the world. And he was just doing the best he knew, riding other guys down to make himself look good, to keep his job, to maybe get the raise or, or whatever it was. And so this brother that was, that was telling me this, this situation, he said one day this man had to do a certain job at work and he didn't have any of the information that he needed. And, and the brother knew that that information was difficult to find. So the man was sitting there, and he was struggling, trying to find the information. And, in our, and, and, and if you just let him go, let him do his thing, let him struggle, maybe he'd get a taste of his own medicine. Maybe he'd get what he deserved. And this brother was looking at this, this man struggling, and, and he had just done the same job. So he knew where all that information was. Matter of fact, he had it all in his notebook, everything that was needed for that job. And the carnal, the, you know, like Brother Andrew was preaching this morning, the devil's quick to put thoughts in our minds. Oh, I should just let him struggle. I should just, but there was something on the inside. And he took 
that, all that information that the man needed. This man who had tried to, to, uh, tried to get him fired, basically, and, and took this information and put it down in front of the man. Here you go. This is everything that you'll need. And this man looked at this, and he looked at the brother, and the brother said, the look on his face, it was like, after everything that I did to you, you're going to give me this? You're going to give me this information? And he said, from that moment on, the whole situation with that fellow just turned around. It was a whole different thing. Why? Because there was a divine nature on the inside. That's Christ living through you. We like to think about just miracles and, and great signs and wonders and things, but it's, it's your day-to-day -day life, your divine nature. The nature of Christ wants to be expressed through your life to those around you. Christ walking in flesh once again. And here's this brother. Now there's a divine nature on the inside that was lived out. And what did it do? It turned the situation around. Until, until that man would, would, would text him at the end of a week and say, I hope you have a good weekend. He was shocked. He said, I would never have expected to heard something like that from this fellow. What was it? It was the life of Christ on display. That divine nature living through a brother, living through a son of God. And God wants to live through each one of our lives. I'm sure that you could tell testimonies, each one of you, of things that God has done through your life. But that's what God wants to see, is, is you yielding yourself to his will. The old man dying out. The old man becoming no more. The old man being ignored. Those old fleshly desires and, and complexes and, 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 and thoughts of revenge or, or whatever. Those things put aside and say, Lord, what's your will for this situation? It might seem so simple. Oh, this is just work. It doesn't matter. This is just walking through the mall. It doesn't matter. This is just driving down the road. It doesn't matter. But it does matter. Because the nature is who you are. And you have been made partakers of the divine nature. That's who you are. Don't get confused with, with the corruption of this world. Don't get lost in the corruption. Don't get lost in, in, the, in the turmoil and the, the rat race and, 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 get, and, and get caught up in those things and, and unable to decipher when you should speak, when you should stay silent. But stay in the love of God. Be the real you. Let the divine nature of God live out through your life. You have escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. <laughs> Amen. It's time to let the inside live on the outside. Oh, I've just been rejoicing in the services that have been preached. You know, Brother Ed was preaching about Babylon. And don't get distracted by Babylon and all, all, of, her, all of her distractions. The Bible says, The inhabitants of the earth are drunk on the wine of Babylon's fornications, of her fornications. The inhabitants of the earth are drunk on it. They're drunk on the corruption of this world. They're drunk on the, the lust of this world. They're drunk on those things. They, they can't think straight. They can't act straight. They don't, they, they don't even know common sense hardly anymore. But you've been stimulated by the wine of revelation. You've been stimulated by the word of God. Don't try to fit in with that out there. Don't try to fit in with their ways. You have partaken of the divine nature. 
You partake in God by his precious promises that he's revealed to you has made you a partaker of the divine nature. You've taken it in. You, it now, now that it's come inside of you, now that it's living inside of you, you can't do nothing about it. To try to be like the world, you're just impersonating the world. We talk about, we talk about make believers. Many times there's make unbelievers. You know, you see people get out in the world and they just don't want to ripple the waters. They just don't want to make things difficult. But don't try to be like them. Just be who you are. Let the divine nature of Christ live in you. That divine power is at your disposal. He and you are one. The Bible says that that day you shall know that I am in the Father the Father in me, I in you, and you in me. Amen. It's, it's that day. That day is this day. We're living in that day right now. At that day, you shall know. Do you know it? Have you received it? Are you living it? Amen. Brother Brandon preached invisible union. Uniting time and sign. He wasn't preaching to the world. He was preaching to the bride. As the musicians come, don't be afraid of who you are. Esther was afraid of who she was. She was afraid. She didn't really know. There, there, there was Haman and all the things he was trying to do to the Jews, and she was scared. Well, is he really going to receive me, or am I going to die? She was afraid because she didn't really recognize who she was, so she was scared of it. Don't be afraid of who you are. Ruth was nervous. Ruth was concerned. Naomi told her, Ruth, don't go into any other fields. Stay in Boaz's fields. Ruth, go lay down at his feet. Ruth, now just wait. Just rest. Just wait because he won't rest until it's finished. She was nervous, but she was already chosen. Rahab thought that she was just a no-good prostitute. But really... She was a mother of kings. Oh, you, you might look at your own life and you might be scared of it. You might be afraid. Lord, am I really a part of the bride? He called you. He didn't call you to lose you. He didn't choose you to reject you. But no, he's choosing you, chosen you, and he's placed his nature inside of you. Don't be afraid of it. Just live for him with all your heart. Live for him. Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is just like it. Love the Lord your, or love your neighbor as yourself. It's not something that you can just keep contained on the inside. But go and live for others. Live for your family. Live for your wife. Live for your husband. Live for, for your neighbors, for those in your workplace. Do good. You know the Bible says do good to those who despitefully use you and persecute you. Oh, in this age, it's become so contrary to that where if you do that, oh, you're just weak. If you can't stand up for yourself and knock that guy down and, and come back at him and, and tell him what for, you're just weak. No, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says do good to them. Oh, you want to be strong? You want to be a strong man? You want to be, you want to be a, a, a stalwart sister in the gospel? Do good to those who despitefully use you and persecute you. Those that would, that would call you down. Those that would trip you up. Those that would try to make fun of you. Do good for them. Oh, praise the Lord. Why don't we stand together? The Bible says in, in, in Hebrews... It says, all these died in faith, not having received the promises. But you have. That's what Peter said. You have been made partakers of these exceeding great and precious promises. All these died in faith, not having received them. But you received them. God providing a better thing for us.
Let me just read that because I wrote it down a little bit differently. God having provided some better thing for us that they without us should not be made perfect. But so that can then be read like this. God provided a better thing for us that with us they might be made perfect. You are the perfection or the completion of the bride of Jesus Christ. You are the culmination. You are the final lap. You are the full expression of Christ in a bride. You are flesh of his flesh, bone of his bones, life of his life, power of his power. You are him expressed in this day. No other age could say that they were the fullness of Christ expressed in their day. But the bride of Jesus Christ is the completion, the final lap, the final step of the race. She is him. Amen. Why don't we sing I'm one of them. There are people almost everywhere whose hearts are all aflame. I trust our heart is aflame tonight with that fire that fell at Pentecost. There are people almost everywhere whose hearts are all aflame with the fire that fell at Pentecost which cleansed and made them clean. It is burning now within my heart. Oh, glory to his name. I'm so glad. They have all received their Pentecost, baptized in Jesus' name, and are telling now, oh, far and wide, His power is yet the same. I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. Yes, I'm one of them. Blessing that will cleanse your heart from sin. And we'll start the joy bells ringing. And we'll keep the soul aflame. It is burning now within my heart. Oh, glory to his name. I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. Yes, I'm one of them. I'm one of them. Say I'm one of them. 